Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett as we look ahead to Manchester United against Wolves. Big game in the Premier League because Man United have been pretty awful recently, not picking up the results they need. But it's also we're also edging towards transfer season. I think the way that United finish this campaign, they have four games left, might actually help dictate just how well they do in the transfer market this summer, which targets they can actually go for, which targets they can't. Uh, we'll be talking about a few potential targets today that aren't named Harry Kane. So, uh, <laughs> yes, we, we do Harry Kane a lot on the show. But, Rob, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. And, yes, we are about to enter silly season, isn't it? I think at our end, you know, the, the transfer goss and news and all of that is starting to flow because we're getting to the end of the season. But we have still got games left and very important games, all of that, isn't it? So, Wolves, massive game for Manchester United. Biggest game of the season, Scott? Like... If you lose this for entering that, that realm, yeah, isn't it, really, you lose this game, you still got three chances to get the nine points that you really need. But it starts here, doesn't it? This Wolves game is huge, and it's quite interesting to see Lopetegui talk the last few days about kind of how the objectives have been achieved at Wolverhampton Wanderers and how they feel pretty good about themselves. So they'll no doubt come to Old Trafford and play without pressure, quite relaxed. Uh, and they've come to Old Trafford and got some results in the past as well. Every game with Wolves at Old Trafford, every game with Wolves in general seems to be a tight, you know, mm. awkward game that goes one way or another. Uh, so I'm, I'm imagining the same thing. We'll talk about the Wolves game later in the show, but we'll start with some potential transfer targets talk. Obviously, you see tons of names floated around. We all know United's preferences of position where they need to strengthen they want a center back they want a center midfielder but top priority is a striker we'll leave the striker agenda off the board today and go with some of the other positions we'll talk defender defensive options midfield options and a little bit on the goalkeeping situation as well because that is obviously still quite pertinent but subscribe to our show wherever get your pods watch us on youtube as well tuesdays and fridays we usually run Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us, leave a five-star review and a comment on any of those uh, audio platforms because it really helps. And you follow us on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, you did a tweet yesterday, which mm. uh, you've been pretty hot on the central defensive target that United should be targeting for yeah. a while now. Uh a lot of these, a lot of these names that we're going to talk about, and this is how clubs work, right? A lot, a lot of the time, clubs have the one very specific target, but if they they will have backup options, they will have alternative options. That's why you see Liverpool getting linked with twenty central midfielders this summer because they want two or three of them, so they have a number of different options. And Jurgen Klopp even confirmed that himself in a recent press conference that mm-hmm. if you don't get your first option, you can get your third or fourth option. And they probably will just do as good a job as long as your profile is right. But uh, we've talked about central defensive options quite frequently. We've talked about Julian Timber, but yours is a, a Serie A winner, Rob. He is a winner now, isn't it? It's done. So Napoli champions uh, of Italy, incredible season for them. I think we need to think about that project in Napoli and how they've done it over the last couple of years. You know, they went from a team who played like quite nice football when everyone kind of liked what they did and how how they set up to so now being a team that that are the genuine winners, you know, winning the Italian title. So the player I want to talk about, and this is where a lot of the smoke is going now in terms of central defensive targets, is, of course, Kim. And we've spoken about Kim in the past, but we've never really dug into the detail a little bit. And the reason why we want to do that now and why I'm kind of talking about him more is that there is kind of much more kind of solid confirmations from Manchester United about where they're going with targets. So Kim's got a release clause, Kim has achieved so much in just the last 12 months. Like, he really has what he's done. Going there as Koulibaly's 
replacement, a player who's like almost a, a bit of a godhead uh, out in a, a Napoli, and and taking that that next step with the football club. And that's a, isn't that a classic example, Scott? Where a new player comes in and people are not sure about him, and you go from being a really good team to champions with that player, and that player takes you over the top. It makes me think of someone like Allison or or Van Dijk at Liverpool. Those players that just get you over the top that maybe people don't rate before they come to the team. So I look at Kim. I think Kim could be that player for Man United to really do. The price range looks really good. The skill set is amazing. He can do so much. And you're just about to lose your club captain who's going to go out the door. We know this. Harry Maguire is done at Manchester United. So you're not trying to replace Harry Maguire. You're trying to replace Rafa Varane. Because the truth is that Varane is not going to play as many games next season. It's just the way he has to be to look after him. And you might need another starter next to Martinez. So I think Martinez and Kim, that's quite exciting. For me, and I've said this on previous shows, I think given Rafa Varane is, you know, he's, he's only 29, right? 29, yeah. 30 years old. And obviously his injury record is uh, is patchy and that's putting it very nicely. Uh, you cannot really rely on him being fit and available. They, they are much improved when he does play, but obviously he kind of pulls up and is out for a number of weeks at any given moment, it seems. Yeah. Uh, my preference would be for a, maybe a younger alternative because I, I d- there are genuine concerns here. I, I, I know United do have a lot of players around 22, 23, but they also have a lot of players who are 30, pushing 30 or around those areas. Mm-hmm. So what I would, my kind of take on this would be, can you find a player age 22-ish that can mix the minutes with Varane and learn from him and eventually succeed him longer term rather than having somebody who comes in as a bona fide replacement for Varane while he's still there. Because ultimately, I think that's a transition that you should do over the course of a, a couple of years. But uh, obviously, Kim has had a great season. We reported on nightmin.com years ago now that Son Heung-min actually told Tottenham or wanted Tottenham to sign him when he yeah. was at one of his previous clubs. Tottenham decided against it mm-hmm. and look how it's worked out. <laughs> totally. You know, uh, this is a player who has been highly rated for a number of years. He was a, a player that could have been picked up as a relative bargain a few years ago. And even now you could probably argue with the season that he's had is still a bargain in, in the market. Massive bargain. And, and Napoli are gutted that that release clause is in his contract. Absolutely gutted because he is worth a lot more than that kind of 40 to 50 million pound bracket that now Manchester United would be able to trigger if they want him. So this is the thing. Like it, it's, I'm not saying that Kim would want to leave Napoli as it stands. Like again, they'd probably want to have a pop at the Champions League next year as Italian champions or one thing or another. But if you could go get him for this release clause, I, I'm putting him in that bracket of like 80 to 100 million now, Scott. Like if, if that's what he was on the open market, that's how good he is. So I know, again, a lot of people you know might not watch Italian football, might not watch Napoli, might not watch him, might not know a lot about him. But I think when you look at his skill set, it's everything that you were missing. I kind of agree with what you're saying, that if you could go get your Saliba and someone that you can kind of build up and put with Varane, fine. My problem is, is that, if Varane is not your automatic starter for, say, 50 games in the season because he gets injured, and we know that he does, you need someone who's big enough to do it. I'm not sure a kid can. So this is where a lot of this is needs must, but I think this is also about effective squad building because you're right, you do need youth. Man United have got quite a lot of decent youth around the squad and the setup and players who will come back into the squad this year in different positions. You know, we've not even spoken about someone like, say, Hannibal or someone like that this year. Will he come back? There are players like that. But I think when you look at Manchester United and the centre-back situation, I think you're moving away now from the Maguire-Lindelof options. You might keep Lindelof and you need a primary centre-back. And that is someone who's in their mid-20s, who knows what they're doing, who can tackle, pass, run, head, lead, do all that stuff. Kim's skill set, Scott, is off the chart. He's he is probably the best centre-back in the world at the moment, I think. He's up there with the top five. You know, people might say, well, Gavardio or someone like this. But for right-sided centre-back, I think United needs someone that's going to play 50 games next year in spite of Varane. That's the way it has to be. And then at least you've got the two to be able to rotate. And that would be very effective rotation, I think, with those two footballers. But Kim would be my starter. 
And I think that's the way I'm looking at this, is that I don't want a kid who would be second fiddle to Varane. Would Rafa Varane be happy in that situation? No, potentially not, but but I don't think you could have that conversation with Rafa Varane and say, well, you don't get not injured though, do you? You're not always fit. This is the problem. So I think you can always put that. It's like Manson Marshall. It's the same kind of issue. Not doubting the ability at all. The ability is there. And if you played 50, 60 games a season, you have incredible value. But I think with Varane, we do know 100% that at some point next season, he will break down. And he might break down for two weeks, eight weeks, or 16 weeks. And any of those are not great. If you have lose a player like that for a period of time, then you're going to struggle to be top four. And Man United next year, Scott, want a title challenge. So this is why I'm saying go and spend that money on someone like Kim because you're never going to get a player like Kim at 45, 50 million ever again. No chance. You're going to have to play Maguire inflation on footballers to just get someone who's maybe half as good. I think that release clause, is that right? actually expires at some point during the summer next year yeah it's it, it, it's the, the way it would work is that Manchester United if they do want Kim and want to activate it it would have to be done very quickly so there is a there is an activation point so that's normal I think that's again a lot of contracts have that because it's more about also if the club want to move the player on so they can maybe do some quick business but they don't want to move Kim on like why would you want to move Kim on he's way too good but Manchester United could be able to step in here and you know, in terms of marketability as well for, a, uh, you know, an Asian footballer who could come in as well, Manchester United having a huge Asian market. There's a lot of things here that make sense, but most important is the football uh, fact. And that is that he's a top class centre-back who's just won this Serie A title. He's a massive part of their success. You get him for 45 million, that's cheaper than Fred. So go and do it. That it, it, It's almost too cheap for me to sit here and debate it for me, for myself. I'm like... You're not going to get a player at that value ever again. You know, you could go to Saliba route, but then you'd need three loans off the back of it and maybe come in when he's 23, 24. United have got time for this project, but not that long. You know, they want to be title challengers next season, especially if we'll have new owners. Let's talk about that, actually, because yeah. obviously it's it's a long way off currently, but obviously United have scored 49 goals, the same amount as Leicester this season. And Leicester uh, yeah. in a relegation fact relegation fight yes um is it as simple as that that you do get your striker who bangs in 25 goals and then you're elevated even even if it's just the one signing they'll make more than that obviously but is it could united push actually that far that much further on with just a goal scorer in the team or do other things need to be addressed in your view because i'm looking at it, i'm thinking might be especially if they finish outside the top four it might be a bit too much to ask i've always thought year three was title challenges title you know you should be really pushing for it then is year two too soon or is it fair i don't think it's too soon at all i think if you if you do get top four this year and let's be honest as well right even if you don't get top four this year we don't want to imagine that reality but let's be let's root it in a little bit more kind of cement as opposed to quicksand so if man united take what they've done this year, win a trophy, been in the top four most of the season, and they've done it with a bunch of kind of very strange footballers and that you can swap around and, you know, you haven't really got the depth, then I think it's absolutely fair to say next year, if you have, say, another 200 to £250 million investment from ownership, whether that be from Glazers or everyone else, doesn't really matter at the moment. If you've got that, then you can go to the next level. So Arsenal did it in three seasons. And their build was across that three seasons. We think about what they brought in and brought back and brought Saliba in in this final year. So that's kind of the getting over the hump part. Manchester United, I don't think actually have that problem. Like we moan about the first team all the time, but the talent is there. So add more talent, make it work more, make it mesh more and win more points. And if Man United had a striker this season, Scott, They'll be title challengers. So that's the, the the perverse thing about all of this. So I think that if you go get your centre-back, who is a top-class centre-back, could potentially be your Van Dyke. You know, I think there's similar skill sets to what Van Dyke brought Liverpool in terms of control and reading of the game and not wasting energy, like being able to run things with metronomic ease. You go get that centre-back and then say you go get your goalkeeper. I know you'd be happy with that, Scott, but you go get a goalkeeper and say so you get a striker in there and then you go get a midfielder in the budget category that adds more than 
than maybe their, their normal value, four players could take you very far with this squad. And then you could lose players as well that maybe hurt you when they play. I always say this, don't I, like about Maguire and the Matominas and all this. The problem with them being at Manchester United is you don't want them at Manchester United. You don't. You don't want them in your team. So get rid of them and bring in players that can help you. Kim would definitely help Man United, I think, become title contenders. You just mentioned midfielders. Let's move on. Uh, now, we know, or we, we talk about Declan Rice quite a lot. The suggestions, like West Ham have a, an option to trigger an ex, a year's extension to his deal. Yeah, West Ham have actually turned things around quite well and probably in a much stronger position now than they were three months ago to, to go about keeping him. Yeah, especially if they win the Conference League as well. It might be a nice time for him to say goodbye, but at the same time, West Ham, they avoid that situation of having to sell him for a, a lower price probably for another year. Mm -hmm. I think he would make a great fit in the United midfield. I think he's the right profile. But uh, we've both said here that we think United need two midfielders on previous podcasts. I think, yeah, I know you're high on Romeo Lavia, who is going to be, he could be relegated with Southampton even this weekend, I think. Uh, I think Southampton are very much on the brink, but a num an alternative number eight as well that we report. And like I say, there's a lot of players on these clubs lists. So yeah. we're not saying these are just options essentially. And we, we reported on nightman.com uh, end of March. I think it was of some potential interest in Mateo Kovacic from Chelsea, who is 28, 29 years old, experienced in the Premier League, been Chelsea captain a few times this season, yeah. doesn't score a ton of goals, but has all the kind of capabilities that a modern central midfielder needs. Those reports have uh, resurfaced this, this week that United are interested in him potentially and potentially bringing him because he'd be another player, 30, 40 million quid, mm -hmm. one year left on his contract, could do a job for a few, for a few years. But again, I, I come back to the point on bringing down the age of the squad. Ultimately, that midfield area, Rob, isn't it? It's, you've got Casemiro, 31, Christian Eriksen, 30-ish, Bruno Fernandes, 28, 29, and then Fred, 30-ish. Scott McTominay could probably leave in the summer. So you, ultimately, you're going to need younger players in this area and more energy. But Kovacic, on a budget, good fix? Not a bad fix. So, like, we, we did do a little bit of Kovacic in previous shows and we talked about what, you know, his attributes are. You just said they're kind of 30 to 40 million pound bracket. So, is he that much better than, say, a Sabitza that you might be able to get for 15 to 20? Now, different types of player, of course. And I think Kovacic is probably more rounded and grounded. You know, he's probably much more going Premier League season, what you need. Um, if he's Where going you stand to. Where Sabitza, by the way? I think things with Sabitzer is we certainly haven't seen enough of what he's good at. And I think we might see some of the worries that maybe people from Bayern Munich had in the last 12 months with him and why he ended up going out on loan, especially with the manager that knows him. You know, like Nagelsmann knows him and still let him go. And, you know, he's one of Nagelsmann's, Nagelsmann's signings. Um, if you can still get him for 10 to 15, it's got to take it. I take it because what we're just saying here about swelling the squad I agree with you that you need younger legs, but I think we're really overlooking that there's quite a lot of younger legs at the 18, 19 year old bracket of Manchester United that are about to come through. So there, there are these players that are kind of almost in mothballs, like, you know, they're young, they're in the B team, they're playing for United, they're showing what they can do. And it's the same of the Garnacho thing last year. So people were saying, you know, do you go buy a wide player? And I was saying at the time, you got Garnacho. Hold that for, do you know what I mean? So Garnacho, and I think Garnacho will have a major part in his last final few games now. You know, he's fit and he's ready. So we try and see if he'll get back into the team. But you're saying about this, uh, about midfield, I will put Kobe Manu back on the table because you could say about Kobe that, yeah, go put him on a loan for a year or two. Could I he go and do, do I wouldn't do that. No, he's too good at the, like already at approaching 18 to say, well, go play at Sunderland for a year like Ahmed. So Ahmed's gone to Sunderland, where well, he's had two years really out on loan, isn't he? And Ahmed's done brilliantly. And Ahmed is a young player. And Ahmed will be back in the squad this year. I'm sure he will be. He'll be on the tour uh, in America. And United will get a really good look at him. And they might still decide to put him out again. I think if Sunderland do come up, then he might stay there for another year in the Premier League. But there will be this thing about getting Premier League minutes in some of these players. Do you either do it with yourself or you do it with another club? But I think when you look at Kobe Manu, is that 
he can fill those gaps that we're talking about already. You know, we're talking about youth being there to be able to play. Hannibal will be coming back to Manchester United. There'll be that choice on him as well. Um, Garnacho is still young. You know, we've not really talked about him. There's a ton of really good youngsters around there. You know, United have got a young goalkeeper who we're going to talk about soon, who you could bring back. There's going to be opportunity to make this squad younger. But Scott, it's important then, if you've got older players, then you move them out. So you've got to have a balance of some players at 26. This is why I say Kim is a good choice at 26 years old. And then you look at someone like Kovacic and, and Sabitza, they do add you value, but they're not going to win you a title on their own, are they? They're not those kind of pieces. Like I would say Kim is, but I wouldn't say Kovacic is. So I think Kovacic is underrated. I think he's done really well at Chelsea in the time he's been there. And maybe his stock has dipped a little bit. You know, he's not exactly a, a sexy footballer, as you might call it in Kovacic. midfield. Kovacic. Yeah, Kovacic. I think oh, he's, really? I think a lot of people look at him and think he's quite standard. I, I don't think, think that. I think he's slick. Look, I think he I fits. If United don't get him, I think he goes to City. And I think no, he might no, go to City anyway. No. Really? Honestly, you reckon? honestly, honestly. I, I think it depends what you think his value at the end of the day. And I must say you, I mean, mean everyone. Like 30 to 40 million is good. But if you're going to pay like... 45 million for Kim and he's your starter centre-back now and that's the way you go you know if you get someone Kovacic for that price he's probably gonna have to come in as the starter you're gonna have to have him starting in that midfield so who moves I think this is the problem for you it's Ericsson I don't think Kovacic is anywhere near as good on the ball as Ericsson so you I think you need a a central midfielder who has that ball control so it's not Ericsson but you it's don't not think Kovacic. Kovacic is that? No, I think I think Kovacic. I'm, I'm really shocked by that. I think Kovacic, he's, he's a brilliant ball carrier. Honestly, Kovacic I, is metronomic and can give you lots of really good things. But we've been talking about the kind of whole Frankie De Jong side of this debate, Scott, about true talent, like vision in the middle of the park. And yeah, Kovacic would work with someone in there, but I still think you need that player. You still need that player who can run the game from there and have that kind of outward flair as well. So both with ball carrying and ball progression. So Kovacic is good, but if he's that good, why are Chelsea letting him go, Scott? Like there is a balance here. So Chelsea like, have a, a policy on contracts. This is, this is the thing. Yes, of course. We, you know, they're in, and they also have 45 players. <laughs> and they like to give him one eight-year contracts. <laughs> like so <laughs> there's a reason. There is a uh, reason. I think Ten Hag would love a Kovacic. Like, there's no doubt about it. I think if he's on the table and that's something you can do, then I think that's something that gets done. But again, it's not priority one or two or three. Like, I think, again, it's always a sliding scale. And I think you need someone in that midfield. In the same way that, for me, Kim would be a kind of um, a championship piece, I think you need a championship piece in midfield as well. I don't think that's Kovacic. I think Kovacic is a fantastic squad piece. And I think he would start a lot of games. And then maybe you would look at Sabitzer and go, we're not doing that deal because we've, we've got we've got Kovacic. Sorry about that. Phone going off. Um, but Kovacic, you'd look at and I'd say, yeah, he's more than good enough for Man United. I think if you asked a lot of Man United fans, Scott, a lot would say no. I really do. I think if you t- talk to a lot of the, of course, the wider base, they would go. Ask, Rob, you ask me that in an ideal world, I'd say no. But we're not in an ideal world. Yeah. I think this yeah. is a... This is like a, a deck of cards, essentially, or it, 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 it really is, yeah. depends on what decision do United take with their centre forward? Yeah. Do they go and spend 120 million on Harry on 100 million on Harry Kane or 120, 130 million on Victor Osserman? How much budget is left? Yeah. What is the age profile of Harry Kane versus Victor Osserman? So then that probably dictates which area you go to next and the profile of that player that you go and bring in. Because you don't want to yes. bring in, you don't want to bring in, say, four 22-year-old players in one summer. Really. No. As, as but, much as you do that on Football Manager. Exactly. That's not, <laughs> that's not the real world, right? No, that's not the real world unless you, you are Chelsea. So, like, you know... It's, it's, so uh, there yeah, are, of course, I forgot. There, 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 are cl- there are clubs that do it and there are ownerships that like to go that way. And I think... You know, if you look at someone like, again, let's say look at Brighton, Brighton have gone that way of shopping in different marketplaces to create a really good football team. But Man United can't do it exactly like that because they're Man United. You know, you're not going to get away with that and let uh, a McAllister have, be a three-year development project. It doesn't work like that at Manchester United. So you definitely need youth. You definitely need to be able to have some players that you can develop. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit, Scott, about when take making these choices, a bit when United signed Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, people forget that when we signed Ronaldo, he was nowhere near first choice, like nowhere near first choice. 
And it did take him probably two or three years to become relevant, mm. really. Like, he was a good young talent. United aren't there. We can't do that anymore. If we want to be top four and a title challenger, you can have youth, but I would stick with the youth you've got because it's really good. So someone like Manu... Just, I give, think, just, just give some background on, on Manu. Um, I think it's... Okay. Who's not sure. Okay, with Kobe Manu... Like, where would he fit? He, he is, I think, going to become one of the best box-to-box midfielders in the Premier League. I really do believe that. He's got incredible control of his own game. So when the ball is on the deck, he's got vision and he knows how to make the ball move from A to B to C without a lot of fuss. So in some ways, there's a little... Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry Collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code staple two zero. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All bit of Pogba about him, but he's not Pogba. He's not that type of player. He's not kind of silky skills. What he's got, he's got great engine, Scott. Yeah, and he's a great decision maker. He can score goals. He can push towards the 10. He can be the eight. He can even give you a lot of value in the six. So he's that kind of player that I think that being a young, energetic player and kind of Manchester kind of bred behind the scenes, someone here to bred for greatness, is that you can go with him in the same way that you've gone with Garnacho. So next year, give him, give him significant minutes but not worry too much about the end product. Like he, he's just going to give you extra minutes. And I actually think that Zidane Iqbal is not a million miles away from that either. I don't think he's nearly as good as Manu, but Zidane Iqbal, again, a metronomic talent who's really good, get the ball in the deck and has tons of time, Scott. That's the kind of midfielder I want, Scott. I don't want all this rushing rubbish that Fred gives me. Yeah, I want midfielders that put their foot on the ball, look up and can see the game. So Manu and Iqbal, for me, both young players, I think they're going to get minutes next year. Hannibal, when you think about it, and what, what he's done kind of at Birmingham and, and away from Man United, I think he needed those minutes this year desperately because he wasn't making the breakthrough. I'm not saying he's, he's the grade we need, but again, I think he will probably come back into the squad with Ahmed. So that's four youngsters we've talked about. And you're talking about Garnacho, that's five. So... That's a lot, isn't it, to, to soak into your squad when you want to be a title contender. So that's why I'm saying maybe going out and buying 21, 22-year-olds is not exactly the ticket that Man United need at this moment of time. Man United's website 
describes Kobe Manu as creatively outstanding Stockport-born midfielder. He's just turned 18 last month. Zidane Ekbal is 20. Yeah. I think, and you also saw, uh, I'm sure you will have seen it if you were on social around the time that um, United won the Carabao Cup, but actually Mm. Manu was on the pitch with Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag had his arm around him and he was pointing to the crowd and like essentially say i'm guessing that he said look this is what you can achieve if you stay on the right path and you totally. do you see that um when garnacho signed this new contract last week did you see uh ten Hag's speech to his family oh no what did he say not well i didn't know exactly was it what was the it word? was essentially the same thing like uh yeah. you should you should go go and look it up and if you haven't already okay. if you're listening just, uh, go and look it up it's uh it, United released it on their so on their channels. It was like a day in the life of uh, Garnacho as he goes and resigns his new deal mm-hmm. uh, at home with his family, going to the to the you know going into United to sign the deal. Eric yes. Hag then sits his entire family down. There's about five six of them mm-hmm. and talks about how he just needs to stay on the straight and narrow, stay on the right path, continue to focus on his game. This contract yeah. is a reward for what he's done so far, but a, a push to the next. To the next thing, I thought it was quite pure. Actually, it was a good, uh, a good uh, piece of management for Eric Ten Hag and Ganache, which we should hopefully see back soon. But that's the midfield done. Uh, let us know: is there a preference that you have? How many, how many midfielders? If you listen to this, do you think United need to sign in the summer? Um, given they yeah. do have options coming through, uh, let us. And know. the thing is, sorry, jump in, Scott. And the thing is, if you go with Manu next year, in the same way that you had faith in Ganache this season. You probably don't need to. So this is the point. So this is this is the way I look at it. Is that I always think that you should give youth a chance and believe in youth. But there are times when, like, you know, you do need to just go and sort your stuff out. You need, you know what you need. You need to go and fill those skill gaps. But someone like Manu and look, we love a local boy as well. Like I know, like a lot of Man United fans maybe watching this don't care about those kind of things, but I know I do, and I know a lot of Man United fans do. And that is that Kobe being a local lad like Marcus, you want to see them succeed. You want to give them that extra power, you know, in the football club. And I think Manu will prove it on the pitch. That's what the way I feel. It won't be like, oh, well, he's just a kind of extra piece that you put in and because he's a local lad and all that. No, I think people are going to be saying, I would love Kobe Manu at my football club. In the same way, I think a lot of people say about, about Garnacho. A lot of teams now go, we missed a trip with Garnacho. We could have got him from Atletico Madrid, but United did. So I'm with you on that. I think we said about Ten Hag, what he said there. Uh, I think you have to sell the allure of Manchester United as a football club to, to youngsters. You have to say, this is, look, this is what we have done at this football club for 50, 60 years of promoting youth and living and dying by that and having success. Kobe Manu knows what it's like. He's a Man United fan. He wants to be there. And, and I think you could sit with him. Maybe Zidane's the one that goes out on loan then. Maybe he takes the Hannibal route to go and get a year of championship football. Look what it's done for Ahmed. Ahmed's been brilliant this season. I'm sure he'll come back to Manchester United a more complete footballer. Let's move to the back. Uh, goalkeeper. Now, Your favourite. David De Gea is... is I think <laughs> his terms are basically agreed on the new deal. I think this is a case of... Uh, it's funny actually that it's been pushed through the, the, the in the days after he's made another mistake to let a goal in. But anyway, uh, unfortunate David, timing. <laughs> David De Gea, he's he's going to resign. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been some details released about the the terms of the contract based yeah. on uh, appearance bonuses and this kind of thing. And like the, the sticking point has always been David De Gea is on a massive wage. We can't yeah. afford to pay this anymore. Your squad status needs to align with your earning. Uh, and there's been suggestions, and this has softened my stance a little bit. There's there's been some suggestions that <laughs> De Gea is not always viewed as the lo- is not going to be the long term number one. No, I I would maybe do the decision a little bit sooner. So I know I'll ask you a question in a in a bit, Robin, about how they they build this position for for now and for the years to come, or for next season and for the years to yeah. come. But De Gea will resign. That announcement will come in the next few weeks. It's quite, I think, from what I understand, it's quite imminent. And probably it's more a case of United need to release it as a, a positive time after a good performance rather than after he's just made a mistake. <laughs> I think it's, I would say so. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's, it, we're going down into that deep into it. Yeah. But obviously, United have Dean Henderson, who I think we both agree try and sell him, right? You could probably raise some money for him that you can reinvest. They have other options as well. So what do they do? If David De Gea resigns, if Tom Heaton 
retires or if he leaves, Jack Butlin's going to leave as well on loan. He came in on loan, didn't he? He's probably yeah. going to leave as well. United need options in goal. So what do they do? We've we all we we've, we've spoken on this podcast about do they go and sign Porto's Diogo Costa? Do they go and sign David Raya from Brentford, who's going to cost twenty to thirty mil in the last year of his contract, unless Brentford are going to be very painful about it and demand forty million? They they could, but we'll see. There's other options. Do United go down the route of a Jan Sommer from Bayern Munich, who is joined Bayern Munich for a few months because Manuel Neuer broke his leg and now he mm. he's going to be firmly number two or he's going to be out of the club in the summer do United do two options like that or do they go down the route of youth and uh, we reported on 90min.com earlier this week of United's uh, young goalkeeper Matej Kovar who is playing for Sparta Prague Mm -hmm. currently and having a really good breakout season for them He's, he's a United youth product joined them a number of years ago counts as homegrown now I believe and could I think he's 22 now, so he could potentially come into the mix. United have always made clear that they'd like to promote youth. For me, I would be more comfortable as a number three, personally. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit much of a too much of a step up. But Rob, what in your ideal world here? I know, I know what you're going to say. What would you do? Do you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to see. Let's see Go if on. you do know what I'm going to say. Um, okay, so some of this, you know, we talk about all these transfers here. This this is exactly what, what transfer business is. It's kind of like a, a, a big lump of clay that you have to shape and you look at the kind of finances and try to put all these things together because they all are interconnected. So the goalkeeper situation, we know that David De Gea is going to get his contract. We knew this for a long time ago. I think the, the wider debate on De Gea was, would he be guaranteed the number one spot? So this is what he was pushing with Ten Hag in the management is that uh, if he stays at Manchester United, Yes, it will be on reduced terms. Yes, there'll be all sorts of weird bonuses kind of in there to kind of spread the deal out and to make the deal more appealing both to Manchester United and to David De Gea in many in many ways. But the big stickling point, I think for you, Scott, and for many Man United fans, is that if De Gea is your number one next season, you're stuffed. You're not going to have a title challenge. There's going to be a big part of it. So what would I do? So you, you just spoke about Kovar there. And the thing is with him is that I think he's ready to be part of the Man United squad and I would be more than happy for him to be the number two. So the way I look at it is this, is that to be the number one at Manchester United, you do need a certain amount of experience and acumen. However, I spoke to you off camera about this. I actually said it on the show before. It talked about when De Gea came from Atletico Madrid and I wrote a story on it back then. And I said, United should gamble on this this 18-year-old because he's that good, but it's going to take a year or two. Now, just like we just said there about a young player in midfield, Man United haven't really got a year or two to develop players. It's just not not the truth and certainly not a goalkeeper. And you don't want to kill a goalkeeper at the Premier League now, do you? So Kovar is the number two. De Gea would be the number one. But I would also quite like, if it's available and on the table, that Man United go and sign David Raya. 25 I I, million. I told you I knew what you were yeah, going yeah, to I know, Yeah, I know it's boring now. I had to build it up, didn't I? But, uh, but the whole thing with Raya is it's like the Kim situation is that you will not get a goalkeeper of that experience and that skill set for 25 million on the last year of his contract at Brentford at any point in the future. And if you go and sign Costa, who I think is kind of on par with Raya, people might think he's better in terms of, you know, generational talent as a goalkeeper and people talk about him being the modern sweeper keeper and everything and everything and everything. I don't think that if you don't want to spend 60 million because you're just giving to hire a new contract, you could spend 25 million on Raya and then have Raya have the young lad come back then as the three and then they fight it out between them. Now, is that a I healthy don't, situation? I we don't had that, know. We had that that always about Dean Henderson, didn't we? If Dean Henderson had a different kind of personality and attitude, and if Dean Henderson had played better when he had his minutes, Dean Henderson would be the number one today. That's it, it's finished. It's on Dean Henderson. It's not on, on anyone else. It's not on Oligan Solskjaer. It's on Dino. So it's up to him. He should have played better and he, he wasn't better. So that's just the way it goes. So that's why De Gea has prevailed. So it's like De Gea is almost like the great survivor in all of this because he has so many people knocking him and yet he's still there. And yeah, he does make mistakes and he's not very good with his feet and he's still there. The manager still wants him. So you can solve this with a halfway house, Scott. 
And that is, you can even then let Kova go back out on loan for another year if you wanted to, to keep getting him the minutes as a 22-year-old and then 23 next year. Bring in Raya and you say to David De Gea, you are not automatic. You are not automatic. The, the best goalkeeper will play. And then it's up to Raya to displace him. But would Raya want to do that? That's another thing. So Raya could go pretty much anywhere and be first choice. He will do. There's going to be a ton of clubs that want him. Might even opt to stay at Top, Brentford. Tottenham, for a Chelsea, Brentford. So many clubs. So many clubs that that would that that are looking for their next kind of sweeper keeper. That kind of that kind of player that adds so much value. And I think Raya does. I think he's an incredible goalkeeper. So I'd like Raya at Man United for twenty five million. And that's kind of where I leave it. I think if you could go get him, whatever you're doing with David de Gea shouldn't really impact that because you do need more than one player for each position who is a potential starter. And, you know, I don't mind Kovar being the second second choice if he genuinely is going to sit on the bench. But that would then mean that David De Gea is absolutely your bona fide number one that has no real kind of contention there. You just mentioned things you need and what United need on Saturday is three points. <laughs> so uh, let's talk yeah. about Wolves. Because as we alluded to earlier in the show, this is never an easy game. Remember, no. there was a, there, I think it was in about, I want to say 2021 in January, like a cold January night. And it was going to a nil-nil. And then Marcus Rashford came up and scored in the 90th minute, 93rd minute. It was, I think it was deflected and everyone went mad. And it was like, oh, we're in a title race here. It was actually, mm. at that, we were actually at that point. I can't remember, maybe the year is off. I can't remember, but I'm sure you remember it if you uh, remember the feeling you had at that time. Wolves, always difficult. It was actually Marcus Rashford in the reverse fixture that scored uh, in the second half. I believe it was a mm -hmm. good piece of individual skill to uh, to force the win there. Wolves are a good team now. I know they've been they've been languishing for most of the season, but they do have an experienced European coach who's managed uh, in, you know, premium competitions managed in La Liga managed in big clubs managed Real Madrid they turn things around they're out of danger now they can come in without pressure the pressure's on United this time yeah I and mean, these four games that United got the pressure is all on Man United and no one else so you're going to have to handle that you know you said last week Scott that these players don't handle pressure very well well they're going to have test to now it's good test this now, is the, this it? is the ultimate test yeah these four games against four clubs you should beat but we probably feel that United will drop points. When you look at this Wolves game, I think what Lopetegui has done with Wolves is that he's kind of put them, he's put the kind of nuts and bolts together to, to be better next season. And I think Wolves could be your kind of Brighton type team next season in terms of like consistency and uh, kind, of the, the kind of the effectiveness of their own game. But I think when you look at this match, I, you just say, Ned, I, I remember like Traore, every time we play Traore, he would be like just fantastic and skin your fullback and, and it would look horrible. Thankfully, at the moment, Traore is not getting games because he doesn't really fit Lopetegui's system. So we might not have to deal with that pace. But they have, they've got it more together, Wolves, in the sense of how their open play plays. And I think they'll come to Man United and they'll enjoy the task. I think they'll come to Old Trafford and they'll realise that, that they can kind of have their day at Old Trafford. And, and I think all the, the remaining three teams coming to United in the next few weeks uh, will do that and United need to be bigger than that moment so um, tough game for United but it's about just getting it done 1-0 is good enough Scott you don't need to be the best in the world you really don't you just need to make sure that the fundamental parts of your team are working from back to front and there are worries but I'm sure you're worried about De Gea's hands you know at the moment and his feet people are worried about Lindelof again we will Varane kind of come back sooner rather than later um, Will Harry Maguire come back? The, there's, there's the Maguire question now. You know, do you bring him back in so you can put Luke Shaw back on the left? Um, the midfield is a little bit brittle, like saying the worst form of the season for both Casemiro and for Ericsson. And then, like, what do you do up top? Is it Veghorst? Is it Martial? Is it Rashford? So there's a lot of stuff there to unpack that you can almost do, like, three-hour show on, but it's the same stuff. So that's the worry, isn't it? Is that if those things repeat, those problems in all those areas, there's every chance that this does not end up as a victory for Manchester United. However, if they have a good day, Scott, at the office, they might go out there and actually do the job quickly. Like I, I will be at the game, obviously, and I want to see Man United take care of business in 20 minutes. First 20 minutes, three goals, bury the game, bury Wolves, 
and let them go back in at half time thinking, well, this game is over and we're going to go on holiday quite soon. So that's what Man United need to do in this game, Scott. Being honest, do I think they'll do that? Not at all. They'll do it the hard way because they always do. Well, they've already started doing it the hard way, haven't they? I would, it would even go this far. And to, to me, I would say if they won this game and put in a decent performance, 2 0, whatever, I would even go into the Bournemouth game thinking, United should win this, and they could even have it wrapped up before the final day of the season. Like, and, that, and, that should, and that's what should happen. That's what serious football clubs do. You know, like serious football clubs who want to win do it exactly like that. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't use all the games, and this was always the issue with Man United. And when when Man United fans were saying, "Oh, top four is easy, guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed," it's not guaranteed because this football club shows that it always takes the longest distance to get to wherever it wants to be. Generally, do you know what I mean? So. Man United, let's hope that they can get the nine points out of nine. And then, yeah, the final game of the season at Fulham, against Fulham is just a day in the sun at Old Trafford. I'll be there with my feet up on my seat, watching it all going. We're in the top four. I don't have to worry about Liverpool. Neither does any of these other 78,000 people. And, the, and the, the job is done. You can get on with the summer. And that's kind of where I want to be. But United have to prove it. And I do think it will probably go to the final game just because of the way Man United are. We're still dysfunctional and we're still not killers. And we need to be away from that kind of mindset of where we take so long to achieve our objectives. Get your predictions in. Will United do it? We'll see. 3 p.m. UK time on Saturday. Very rare for United this season. They played. They always play on Thursday night, so it's, it's it's a little bit weird not to see United on TV or not on TV at on Sunday at two PM or four thirty yeah. UK time. It's uh they're behind the the football blackout this week. That's it, and a, a week off fatigue, you know. So you've had time to rest now. Can these players do it in the next game? And we will see if it was fatigue or whether it's just something up here in terms of stability of their mentality. So I think it's probably a little bit of both, but I think it's more the latter. And you should not allow Wolves to take points of you at home at Old Trafford. And I'm sure Ten Hag will be telling his players all of this and saying, you know, this is where you will get judged now. These three or four games will be what people talk about all summer long going into next season. And it will be the difference, Scott, between some of these players staying and some of these players going. If you can show Ten Hag in four games that you're a worthy part of this squad and you can get United to the Champions League, you might just earn some more money out of it. If they do qualify for the Champions League, they do get most of them get pay rises as well. So <laughs> because they and, do get they get deductions uh, when they don't qualify and raise. And that's a big thing for players. It is like people don't talk about those things, but it's absolutely huge because yeah, if you your wage goes up twenty percent. It's not bad, is it? If you're already on 150, 200 a week, you know, that's a lot of money. So there is that side of it as well. If you want to just be professional, go do the job and take the money home. United should, uh, the way they should approach this, try and forget about everything that's happened in recent games. Yeah. Their fo- home form for the for the duration of the season has been, I'm touching wood here, has been good. The performance levels have been better than the away games. Get back to it. You've had a, a full week to prepare for this. No excuses now. And if there are excuses or if there are, I, I called it, if they drop it from here, I called it pathetic. Uh, it would be a pathetic. Uh, It'd be a huge failure. It'd be it a would massive be, failure. Like, Liverpool end up fourth and we end up fifth. It, 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 it would be as catastrophic as you could express for Ten Hag in year one after such an amazing, like, 11 months up to this point or whatever you know that you've got this far and you've done and, and the funny thing is Scott like we said at the top of the show it doesn't mean that you won't be title challengers next year you just didn't have to go and do the business but then it's difficult because you're outside the Champions League so the Champions League is the golden goose you need to be in it to attract a certain amount of talent you're not getting Kim probably if you're playing in Europa next year he's going to stay at Napoli and play Champions League football and try and win it so you've got to at least be able to put that on the table for a certain caliber of player Kovacic you might be able to get for 30 million if you're in the Europa, but you're not going to get Kim and you're not going to get that next level of elite footballer. That's also why Frankie de Jong also wasn't particularly interested this season. Can I ask you one more question on the coming back to goalkeepers? Yeah. I'm going to throw a name at you. Just I want your reaction. Emmy Martinez. No. There you go. 
Like, no, like, (laughs) this is where I won't cut my nose off to spite my face about De Gea because I know De Gea's got all these issues, but it's about if a a goalkeeper comes in, you have to say, is that goalkeeper better than that goalkeeper? Like, is he? And yeah, Martinez has got certain attributes. My God, no, like, just no, thank you. I don't want him at Man United. I would have David De Gea every day of the week over Martinez. I would too, to be fair. Don't do it. Uh, I've seen some speculation there. Jordan Pickford, yes or no? Jordan Pickford, no. No. (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't do it. And that's where we're going. Like, like, All these goalkeepers are going to get debated now, and we'll we'll do it on the show, no doubt, in the weeks to come. But like Jordan Pickford might might be about to leave Everton, and yeah, he's a good goalkeeper. Is he a top-four goalkeeper, or is he a championship-winning goalkeeper? Absolutely not. I don't care if he's England's number one and played in World Cups. He's not of that calibre. He shouldn't be anymore anyway. You know, Martin has just, just won a World Cup, didn't he? And I still wouldn't have him at Man United as Man United's goalkeeper. And I still think David De Gea is better than both those two goalkeepers. That's it for us. Uh, we'll wrap it there. Uh, hopefully you have enjoyed... How do we describe these shows? Therapy? I don't know. Like a bit more <laughs> it does of a measured... It does turn a bit like that, doesn't it? Um, catharsis? I don't know. Look, we're both passionate Man United fans, right? We are. We work in the industry and we're passionate fans and we go to games. And ultimately, we feel everything that everyone else feels. We really, really do. You know, I'll be at Old Trafford tomorrow and I will be jittery and thinking this is kind of last chance saloon for my football club. But at the same time, Scott, we don't have to shout and scream about absolutely everything. Like we do every now and then. And if you could hear our conversations off camera, you would hear some expletive, especially from my filthy mouth sometimes. But ultimately, we feel these things, don't we? We want Man United to win and we want we want success just like everyone else. So, uh, so yeah, I think the shows are a little bit like therapy, but we try and talk through things with a little bit more of calm. We will discuss the ownership situation, as I suggested on previous shows, when we have something concrete, because we coming. don't. It's uh, coming. We're expecting it soon, but like we, we've been expecting it soon. For a long time, but we'll see uh, when a decision is made, something concrete comes through, then we'll discuss it rather than ifs, buts and maybes, uh, which is just doing my head in personally. Yeah, as I, I tweet, as I tweeted, I tweeted this as well, Scott, uh, as I said, you know, stop listening to people. Yeah. Wait for the announcements and then we can talk about facts rather than fan fiction, because this is what we're getting from a lot of quarters now. And I, I will say this, it's up to the fan channels now to hold their own standards higher as well, to make sure that they are the voice for the fans as opposed to the voice for themselves. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star review on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever, whatever you can support the show, please. We'd love that. Follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at PromiseLandMU for the show. We're on YouTube. Like, subscribe. Please subscribe. We're nearing a milestone. If you haven't already, leave a comment for us. I've asked you a bunch of questions today. If you got through to the end of the show, who do you want in midfield, etc., etc. Get in touch. We we love hearing your thoughts. We do read everything, uh, and we'll one, one day we'll work out a time to do another comment show. Uh, when maybe maybe in the next few weeks we'll soon, see, yeah, yeah, soon. we'll do it soon. Uh, head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us. And as for today's show, that's the end. So thanks, Rob. Again, I've been Scott Saunders. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Hopefully, Man United can take a step closer to reaching the Champions League by the next time we talk. But I don't have much faith. So uh, fingers crossed, eh? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.